Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. What up, folks? Straight up 6 o'clock on a Monday. It's 104.5 The Zone at 6. That means it's time for the Big Six. Right here on 104.5 The Zone, I am Jason Martin, as always, taking you through this voyage for the next hour. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Today's always a good day. Monday's always a good day for you to get involved if you want to. It's 615-737-1045. A lot of things happening in the world of sports. I'm going to do... It's funny because years ago, I would always think when I was writing, what is the larger theme of what I'm watching that I could then kind of maneuver into other things, not just this one storyline, but what, what is it about all four of the storylines, all these interactions with these various characters where we can extrapolate one thing from all of it, even if it wasn't intended to be that way, to explain other things that are going on. And I would always think I'm eventually going to run out of this because it seems like I'm pulling magic out of a hat. And I remember like three or four months into writing like that, I said, eventually this is not going to work anymore. And I'm actually not going to be able to pull a theme out all the time. But for some reason, if there's one thing God has blessed me with, it is the ability to start to see things in a larger context. And so tonight, as I say, the mission of this show, as always, is not to waste your time. This is show number 11 of the Big Six. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining our movement early and often here on 104.5 The Zone. But I want to start the week out, and I want to wrap with you a little bit about decisions and about life. And the reason this fits today is because it fits every day. If there is one thing that we're going to talk about more than anything else on this show, on the big six. It's going to be the ramifications of choice in sports, in culture, and even in our own lives. Everything that comes out of my mouth, everything that you hear me say is something that I've decided on the spur of the moment or in advance to say. And all of it could have consequences. Anything that I tweet, I always think about before hitting send because I know once it's there, it's there forever. I have the 30-second rule. I sit there and I look at a tweet, and if 30 seconds pass and I say, okay, this is all right, then I'll tweet it out. But once it's there, it's there. Ask Josh Josh Hader of the Brewers about the consequences of the choices that he decided to make seven years ago when he was just a teenager with a social media account. The fact of the matter is, A decision can take a half second to make, 
and a lifetime to overcome. One mistake can start the doomsday clock. It can speed you down the path to ruin or redemption, and there are signs of both in the examples I'm about to give you. And sometimes they can completely change your life. Now, I've made bad choices in my life. I prioritized the wrong things for a long time. I've chased and pursued the wrong type of women. I've ended up staying around them as a result much longer than necessary or even going back to them because I want the now too much to wait for what's actually right. I've been selfish where I should have been giving. I have a house full of stuff I don't need, don't use, and don't want. And I've worked at some places I shouldn't have. Not here and not at my last employer, in case you're thinking that's where I'm headed. I worked at the Fresh Market, ladies and gentlemen, for one half day. A half day. I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield Insurance for one half day. I quit both around my lunch break that day. They weren't the right fit. I hated them. I bungled that decision. I took something that was open rather than something that actually made sense. I went after a pro wrestling dream. For example, I went. I drove all over creation to pay dues. And by pay dues, I mean not make any money for years and years and years. And I chose to go for my will and my desire and my time and my, 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 my over God's. And every time up to and including now, I pay for it. And hopefully I get a chance to learn from it. So I can talk to you about bad decisions in sports by athletes or by coaches or by media members. And I can tell you Johnny Depp should just stop making movies for his kids and tell Tim Burton no next time. I can tell you McDonald's at midnight. Believe me, I can tell you McDonald's at midnight ain't the right move to make. Not just if you want to lose weight, but if you actually want to be alive in five years. So I have, I know you're not surprised, the big six right now. Things that have happened either right now or in the recent past that help illustrate just how important decisions are and how pretty much if we start to view life, media, culture, sports, politics, everything through the prism of decisions and consequences, we will have a better chance of being able to define life before it happens. Number one, and we build up with this list to the big six. The biggest example will be the last example. And I can go ahead and spoil it for you. It is a local example. Number one, though, is Tiger Woods out of the bunker at 10 yesterday. And then the flop shot that didn't work. Eldrick didn't win it yesterday, but he played great pretty much throughout the week at Carnoustie. Now, I'm not calling him back because I don't look. I'm calling him back but he's not back like the old Tiger Woods because let's be real here. We have seen a lot of flashes from Tiger over the past few years. My problem and my concern with Tiger has been one. He hasn't been able to finish and two, he hasn't been able to put four great rounds together. Carnoustie apparently didn't require the second one. Justin Rose could tell you that, but Tiger didn't finish yesterday. He couldn't make the putts he needed down the stretch. He missed a five-footer that would have put him in that log jam at six. And if you listen to Virgil Herring on his show this weekend, which is called Talking Golf, or on Friday on either the Wake Up Zone or 3HL, he laid it out clearly. He said, and to me this was really eye-opening, because of just how unbelievably blunt it was, Tiger Woods is unable at this point in his career 
to drive the golf ball at a professional tour level. That's why we saw so many more irons from him, and it's not about distance. He's still got a lot of power. It's about control and keeping it in the fairway. Now, what's interesting about me bringing that up now is that Tiger led the tournament in accuracy through three rounds, but what happened in the back nine on Sunday? He started spraying it around again. Tiger went for a ridiculously risky shot at 10 yesterday out of that bunker. Now, he had a good lie, but if he catches that thing fat in the least, it's in the berm and he's done. He muscles it out of there, hits an incredible swing, he puts it on the green. It was a absolutely outstanding shot from arguably the greatest iron and short game player we've ever seen in the sport. Let's say that decision didn't work, though. He's probably out of the tournament right there, especially if it goes in the hazard. You can point back to the decisions in 2009 off the course and likely beforehand that cost him his marriage and led to that fall after the course fall to Y.E. Yang that year in a major. That choice and this choice was his to make, and he made it, and it changed the course back in 2009 of Tiger Woods' life, and it certainly altered perception of the stripe forever. There were, indeed, consequences to the selection to go for broke yesterday on 11, missing the mark on that flop shot from the rough, and, of course, there were consequences to the choices that he made in Florida and elsewhere near the end of the aughts. Is he back? I don't know. This isn't that discussion. If you want to talk about Tiger Woods, if that's something you want to react to today, feel free at 615-737-1045 or at Zone. We'll get you in here. But that's just one example of decisions. Decisions on every swing on a golf course make it so much more difficult. Decisions in Tiger Woods' life may have cost him a chance to catch Jack Nicklaus. Number two, LeBron chooses the Los Angeles Lakers. He made a non-basketball first decision. For the first time in his illustrious NBA career, he chooses to make his family and his post-hoops future happy. He goes to Hollywood instead of staying in the East where it's going to be easier for him to get to the finals, whether that's in Philadelphia, whether it's in Boston, maybe he goes to Toronto, maybe he stays put in Cleveland. But he knows his legacy is intact. And what that legacy basically says, regardless of what he's going to do in L.A. or not do in L.A., is that he's in the conversation for the greatest player ever. He's one or he's 1A. Yes, some people are going to throw Bill Russell in there. They're going to throw Magic Johnson in there. They're going to throw Larry Bird in there. To me, that's a reach. It's 1 and 1A, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, whatever order you want to put it in. But he made a decision, did LeBron, to go to L.A. this time out, and he basically punts on a year of his NBA career at a time where he may not have that many years left to play at the level he's at right now. He's punting because, yes, he's going to play, but he's got no shot at reaching the finals. That Lakers roster is not experienced enough. They're not good enough to compete with Golden State or Houston or some other teams in the West. They're going to struggle to be anything higher than a sixth seed, and there's at least an argument to be made that they're going to struggle to get into the playoffs. I think LeBron will because he's LeBron, but it's at least something that could be talked about. What are the consequences or the risks for what LeBron has done here? Well, he might not win another ring. Maybe he didn't see winning another ring in the East. Maybe he didn't see any way to win another ring as long as the Warriors are still intact the way they are now. So instead, the risk-reward says, okay, go where I'm going to be happy. Maybe he realizes the same thing that a lot of us already have, which is that whatever he does, 
Some are going to put him ahead of Jordan, and some are not. And nobody is going to change their minds regardless of which side they find themselves in on that argument. So the risk for LeBron in this case, if you're looking at decisions altering life, in his case, it's not a big one. The consequences aren't that large. His quality of life changes, and he has a potential to be a media mogul in Los Angeles easier. And he's already had, you know, the power dinners with Leonardo DiCaprio. That's what he's looking at now. And he gets away from Dan Gilbert in the process. Here, the decision may not entirely define his life because his legacy was already so set. But this is going to define the final act of his NBA career. This is a calculated risk. But in many ways, I think it's a sensible risk to take because if it doesn't work and he doesn't win another trophy, he's still LeBron James, and he's already putting himself and his family in the position that they need to be in for the long-term future. One more before we go to break, and then we'll do 4-5 and the big six on the other side. Philip Fulmer and Tennessee select Jeremy Pruitt. This UT coaching search, ladies and gentlemen, this was a thing of serialized drama beauty. This story, unbelievable, could have filled at least three seasons of a Netflix drama. And by the way, 10 episodes, not 13. Hopefully people are starting to realize this now. Almost all the shows that go 13 go about three episodes too long and have to fill. But I digress. We had Shiano. We had John Gruden. We had Jeff Brom. We had Mike Leach. We had the end of John Curry. And then we had a pinfall victory, one, two, three, for the university over Beverly Davenport. We have Philip Fulmer as AD. And then finally, the hire of Jeremy Pruitt. Just look back and think of how many decisions I just laid out that were made during this process and how they have altered the lives of the people making this, the decisions and the people the decisions were about. These were not minor decisions. College football, yes, you can say student-athletes all you want, but it's big business. Vol orange is probably the most important color in the state. Actually, you can take probably out. It is definitely the most important color in the state. Fulmer is a legend, but make no mistake, he has hinged some part of his future or at least his reputation in his current job on a guy that has never been a head football coach at this level before. He has course corrected in the opposite direction from, as Gary Danielson said, the soft nature of the Butch Jones practice and the Butch Jones regime. He's gone away from the cliches. He has decried and said no to the coach speak. And instead, he has gone to a guy that wants to win games and a guy that is willing to knock his players into the dirt if need be. Now, figuratively, I'm saying, to get that done. He's abrasive. He is a total culture shock from what UT has been used to. He's going to be prepared. He's going to be rigid. And he's going to be demanding. But think about how much is actually on the line for Jeremy Pruitt, if he fails, and for Philip Fulmer, if he got this wrong, UT is not Alabama-Birmingham. This is a school that should be able to make the right decision, should have made the right decision long ago. It should not have this danger of falling further into national obscurity than it is right now. There is a ton riding on this hire. It has been too long since that university mattered the way that that fan base believes it can and should. There's a rising level of impatience here. Now, I'm not going to speak to whether or not it's going to work because it's pure speculation. The fact is, none of us know if it's going to work. But it's a risk 
And that's the point of making decisions. How it goes is going to influence perception of the, quote, fitness for duty, unquote, for both those guys going forward. The decision to take the job, the decision to offer the job. LeBron chooses the Lakers. He makes a non-basketball decision, but it's all about the decision. Tiger decides, I'm going to go for broke out of this bunker, and it works. I'm going to go for the flop shot. Instead of trying to run it up on the green, it doesn't work. And it sort of starts his slide to where, at that point, Tiger again becomes mortal. It's all about decisions when it comes to life. Now, that's three of the big six. Four, five, and six are on the other side. And the big six involves a Tennessee Titan who may have made a decision that will send him out of town. 737-1045 with a 615 is that area code. That's how you get a 615-737-1045. Follow me at Jmart Zone. More in a moment. Big six, 1045 The Zone. Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. You can email me jmartclone at gmail.com. Silver chair bringing us back. Anthem for the year 2000. Entrance music for uh, one of the promotions I used to work for in pro wrestling. The uh, light heavyweight champion, as a matter of fact. Used to use that tune. Always liked it. Thought I'd bring it back tonight. We're talking about decisions in life. I just made a decision to come back with silver chair. By the way, I'm now tweeting after the show whatever music that we use on the show. There's a lot of folks that have been DMing or emailing and saying, hey, what's the playlist? So uh, I'll drop you those three tunes every night. And, of course, Icky Thump from the White Stripes is what opens up this show. There are a few people that um, knew it but didn't know exactly what it was. So hopefully that helps you out. We're talking about decisions in life. And I said that on this show, and, and I don't think it's just on this show. It's on any show, not just in sports, by the way, as well. It's going to be the ramifications of choice in culture and in sports and in our lives and in politics and in literally everything that we encounter that may dictate almost everything. And I don't know that we all contextualize our life and pay attention to the fact that it is the decisions that we talk about and it is the decisions that end up mattering. And so I laid out three of the big six off the list tonight. We will get to the biggest of the big six, which is number six. At the end here, and it's local, like I said, but I mentioned Tiger Woods and his decision out of the bunker yesterday at 10 that worked and the flop shot that didn't to explain both sides, as well as, of course, Tiger's decisions back at the end of the aughts that cost him his marriage and may have cost him a chance to beat Jack Nicholas. I decided to go with LeBron James and the Lakers and his decision to go there instead of staying in the East. And then I mentioned the selection of Jeremy Pruitt to become the next head football coach at Tennessee and just how much is riding on that. Number four, Jimmy Garoppolo chooses to date an aged porn star. Folks, he's a franchise quarterback. It's not an individual sport where if you make a knucklehead decision, it just becomes part of your bio. Garoppolo plays the most important position in all of pro sports. And the thing about quarterback that separates it from everything else is that the assumption, even if it's erroneous, is that most of the people that do it well are smart. They have to make quick decisions, quick 
choices, smart decisions, smart choices. They also have to make decisions and choices that leaders make, even if those choices sacrifice the now in order for an ultimate goal down the road. So you're entering your first full season at the helm in San Francisco. There are expectations for the Niners because of the small sample size of brilliance that we got from you last year after that trade and after Shanahan let you on the field. And in your first offseason, within a month of the first preseason game, within a few weeks of camp, you choose to go out to dinner with a porn star. This was a decision with a lot of risk. And here, if you want the consequences of it, the consequences there are that the immediate ramifications say that you're probably not very intelligent when it comes to public perception and how they're going to react to this. The long-term issues, let's say he does not get off to a good start this season. The chorus of, oh, he's got distractions. He's He's a distraction himself to the team. And maybe he's not as smart. Maybe he's not the guy. This should have been a warning sign. Now, that's going to be asked, and it's going to be talked about by a lot of hot take artists and opportunists. But they will be asked, and they will be talked about, unless Jimmy G comes out and is the second coming. And unfortunately, in our culture, those hot take artists and those opportunists are the ones that get attention, the ones people write articles about, and the ones people fill sports talk radio shows with to get themselves content because they don't have their own opinions so they go grab someone else's opinion that, that has said something completely outlandish and make it into something. And I'm not talking about from an article. I'm talking about just one flippant sentence used to try and draw an hour of phone calls. I say that I know it happens because I've seen it happen and because it makes me turn off the channel every time. But remember Odell Beckham and the Giants when they took that trip and went on that boat. Was that a legitimate criticism? Not really to me, but if you want to put yourself in that circumstance and then you don't get your actual job done, you don't have much to stand on. Now, in Jimmy G's case, she could be a lovely woman. She could have a great personality. She might be fantastic. And maybe she just does what she has to do to make a living. But if you're a franchise quarterback, that's a choice that I would not make. Because Jimmy G, and we talked about equity, and we talked about what you've been able to earn last week and what you can get away with. Jimmy G doesn't have equity with the fans yet. He's got a little bit of it, but we haven't seen enough. He doesn't have equity with the media yet. So the question I have is, how long did he think about this before he did it? Did he do the equivalent of the 30-second rule for social media before he tweeted this out? Of course, he didn't tweet it out. He went out with a porn star. He may not care what we think. He may not care what anyone thinks, but he not only lives, but works in the public eye. So that's not going to fly the way it might otherwise. That might not be fair, but that's the way it is. That's the breaks of being in the public eye, being a celebrity, being a superhero, a modern day superhero, which is what we see professional and high level college athletes and Olympic athletes to be. Number five, another quarterback and a decision by the Cleveland Browns to go with Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold or over Josh Rosen or even over Saquon Barkley. Here's the list, folks. I've got it in front of me. Tim Couch, Ty Detmer, Doug Peterson, Spurgon Wynn, Kelly Holcomb, Jeff Garcia, Luke McCown, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn, Ken Dorsey, 
Bruce Gradkowski, Colt McCoy, Jake DeLome, Seneca Wallace, Brandon Whedon, Thad Lewis, Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, Connor Shaw, Josh McCown, Austin Davis, Robert Griffin III, Cody Kessler, Deshaun Kaiser, Kevin Hogan. What list is that? That is the 27 quarterbacks that have started for the Cleveland Browns since the team returned to the field in 1999. I don't know how much more I need to say about the sheer quantity of decisions that haven't panned out for Cleveland over the past 19 years and what it has cost that franchise and how many jobs it has cost that franchise. How about this list? And I wrote this one down. Chris Palmer, Butch Davis, Terry Rabisky, Romeo Cronell, Eric Mangini, Pat Shermer, Rob Chudzinski, Mike Pettin, Hugh Jackson. Let me inhale real quickly. Nine head coaches over that span. Four that never got another shot anywhere else. One in Shermer that just now got a second crack at the apple. Decisions have consequences, folks. That's what I'm saying. Outside of Josh Allen, where the only positive going into the draft was he could throw it seven miles, but he couldn't throw a 10-yard out route, Baker Mayfield was the least safe pick. Wherever it was that Rosen went, he looked pro-ready from day one. And if you look at reports out of Arizona, what he looked like is what he is. Now, Darnold may need a little time, but he was my favorite player in the draft. And both he and Josh Rosen felt like sure things to at least be good. Now, whether they're great, we'll have to see. Now, Baker Mayfield's a little undersized. He's going to have to deal with seeing over the Giants in front of him like many small quarterbacks have before. He's not going to be able to get away with a lot of that draw-it-up-in-the-dirt kind of stuff that he pulled off at Oklahoma. And he's in Cleveland. You have to take who you think is the guy if you're the Browns, but your future might hinge on it. Look at the names that I read out. Look at all the guys that went through that Browns car wash and left filthier than they arrived. Mayfield's responses in the media and his star factor make me want it to work for him, maybe more so than many. I like him far more now than I did in Norman. I couldn't stand him at Oklahoma. I started to like him a little bit in his senior year, but I like him a lot better now. But that's a bigger risk to go with him at one than to take one of those safer plays. Maybe we're going to do this topic again in a few years, and I'll be singing a different tune about the Browns. Eventually, one has to work at quarterback, right? I mean, it can't always be this futile. And then, ladies and gentlemen, there is the big six. And I have more to say about those first five than I thought. So I'm going to tease the big six by saying this. It's local. It's a Tennessee Titan. And he should be cut before training camp because his decision has to have consequences. It must have ramifications. And he has proven, at least to me, unless there's something that we all don't know, that he has no business being on this roster anymore. I will explain further next on The Big Six. Zone Trap. Big Six here on a Monday, 104.5 is on. This is Silver Chair again. Anthem for the year 2000 if you missed it in the last break. We'll try and get that cleaned up for the final segment. Sometimes technology goes awry. So we've been talking about decision-making. I'm Jason Martin, by the way, on Twitter at jmartzone, getting a few tweets in right now about what I'm talking about, which is decision-making and the ramifications basically defining our lives and sometimes us not stopping to think 
about that when it comes to everything that we really analyze in the world about other people as well as ourselves. And I laid out five, and I have not laid out the big six yet, but I think you know where I'm headed. Tiger Woods, LeBron, Philip Fulmer, and Jeremy Pruitt, Jimmy G and a porn star, and the Browns going with Baker Mayfield in the draft. Those are five. Here is the big six. Kevin Dodd no-shows the start of Titans camp. When I laid out my six big questions a couple weeks back, it was 30 days from Titans-Packers preseason game one. One of them was Kevin Dodd and what was going to happen next. He skipped voluntary OTAs. We hear conflicting reports as to what exactly is going on and where his head is. We're not sure where he's going to play when he does show up because the linebacker depth makes it less and less likely he's going to get into that top four. But he can put his hand on the ground and play on the line. Maybe that's where it was going to work. Now, John Robinson has made a lot of good decisions during his Tennessee tenure so far. But just as I said right before we took that last break that eventually something has to work out for the Browns at quarterback... Eventually, something's not going to work out for the Titans GM. On draft night, a lot of folks dug that pick. It seemed to make sense at the time, but it has been nothing if not an unmitigated disaster since. And eventually, you have to cut bait. But this isn't really about Robinson's decision-making, but I'm glad I mentioned that because it shows, again, decisions on top of decisions. But this is about Dodd's decision-making. After missing voluntary OTAs, which to me is not particularly bright, If it's me, I'm crawling over broken glass to get there if I'm him and I actually want to play for the Titans or just get some of my reputation back with the skeptical fans that have already written me off. But I get that it's voluntary. It was a choice. Voluntary. It was a choice. It was a decision. And the one that he made led to just a little bit more futility for him. The consequences were it was easier again to start saying This guy didn't want it enough. Has all the talent in the world, but an injury, his foot injury has led him to question what he's going to be able to do. Lost some confidence, and it has to be hard for him. Now, I have no idea, and it's possible there's something in his personal life that caused him to miss his report date, and I hope that's not the case. I definitely hope everything's good. But the consequences for somebody who is already approaching the edge of the Titans' cliff who has not been at all what was expected and who appears to have lost all his confidence, these consequences are much different to me. In fact, these consequences are probably going to lead to him being cut from the team, barring that something that we don't know about yet, which I hope is not out there. And as a risk for the Titans at this stage, it's not really one at all. He is the very definition of addition by subtraction based on the quality of his decision-making and his lack of communication. He's somebody that didn't just need to report and didn't just need to go the extra mile, but actually needed to be a standout in camp to stay as a part of this roster. And what he chose to do was not even go the required mile. We're not even talking about the extra mile. We're talking about the required mile. And you cannot be a standout when you're a no-show. The consequence to Kevin Dodd should be to say goodbye unless there is a really good reason why he missed the start of camp or his report date. This decision 
which I guess could boil down to a lack of desire, it's going to dictate his current life and it's going to change things. Now, I hope everything is good in his life, but as for football in Nashville, it's anything but good. It doesn't look like it's ever going to be. He's cost himself money. He's cost himself respect. He's continuing to cost himself a chance to play in the NFL. And that's his choice. But the risks were huge. And what he's decided to do has lessened any possibility of a reward. Now, I'm not going to call you out and say, give me a call. Talk about your bad decisions. Maybe that's something we could do on another day. That would probably be riveting radio, by the way. But if you want to chat about what you think the consequences should be for Kevin Dodd, we got 20 minutes left in the show. 615-737-1045. I'll get you in here. Literally everything that we talk about on this show and anywhere else is going to be about decisions, whether or not it's on the field, it's in the locker room, it's in life, or in the case of Pac-Man Jones, it's in an airport. Ryan Lochte, just another example today. He got an IV injection, vitamins, now suspended until the summer of 2019. What he did in Brazil, that was a decision that had ramifications, even if it really wasn't that big a deal if you really look at the story. Cristiano Ronaldo leaves for a new team. That's a decision. The choice not to run Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl and try to throw for those two yards. A decision with immediate and lasting consequences. Thinking of golf with Tiger Woods earlier, how about Jordan Spieth a few years ago? In the drink, then in the drink again, then in the drink again at Augusta, and it's over. It's all about decisions. It's all about choices. It's all about risk. Once you begin to think about your own life, as well as the lives of those you either know or follow, it can clear up quite a bit for you. There comes a time where you're starting to look at your decisions or the decisions of someone, and you can put a pro and a con list together, and it begins to sway heavily to one side or the other. For Pac-Man Jones, who I kind of joked about a second ago, that seesaw is firmly on the con side. We are seeing the same thing from Jameis Winston. We've seen it from Greg Hardy. We've seen it in Washington, D.C. in politics every day since the Republic dawned. And hopefully we can learn from the boneheaded moves that others pull and then just be thankful that we didn't do the same. The familiar refrain in all these situations that tells you just how important every decision should be and how sometimes rash decisions are the absolute enemy of progress in a life is the phrase, should have known better. Ryan Lochte actually used that in response to this IV thing. He's like, look, this was not performance enhancing. This is a new rule, but I should have known better. Some things are logical. Should have known better. Kevin Dodd, I probably should have been in camp. I should have known better. Jimmy Garoppolo, depends on how this plays out. But as of right now, most public opinion would say, yeah, you probably should have known better, Jimmy G. That's something, that phrase is something that I strive with every fiber of my being not to ever have to say about myself. But if you start to think about everything that you read, everything that you watch, Every down of a football game, every second of a basketball game, every swing, every pitch, every substitution, everything. 
in the context of decisions and ramifications and consequences of those decisions. Maybe you would be better at time management than Andy Reid. Maybe you would be better at a lot of things. I know that in most cases, when I make a quick decision, it's the wrong one. And that was when I was just making it alone and wasn't looking for guidance to make that decision for me. People don't seem to stop and think enough. I don't know what how long Kevin Dodd thought about not going before he decided not to go. I don't know how long Jimmy G thought about should I do this or should I not. I don't know. You know, Tiger Woods is on the course and he's on a clock, so he doesn't have forever to decide if he's going to go for that flop shot after he made that miraculous shot out of the bunker on ten. All of it. It's all about decisions and consequence. And again, in the case of Kevin Dodd, and I see we've got Chris in Nashville. We'll take your call right after the break. In the case of Kevin Dodd, that decision, that consequence of that decision is going to be, I predict, unless we don't know something. And if so, then we will all apologize for that. But even though you don't want to see somebody cut from a football team, I am praying that he does not have a good reason for it because there are things far more important than sports. But his consequence should be be cut from this team, period. Final segment next, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the Big Six here tonight. Jake Bug bringing us back. Simple Pleasures right there if you're looking for the name of that tune. Talking about decision-making, just as I chose the three songs that turned out to be two tonight that we played. Just like I chose to go with this topic. Just as I choose right now to get a thought on Kevin Dodd from Chris in Nashville. Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing well, sir. Well, I completely agree with what you have to say about Kevin Dodd. This is a guy who is supposed to be a very good – like he was looking at – he came out of Clemson and they thought this guy was going to be a stud, even though he was a one-year starter coming out of there. They, dra- they drafted him to be a rotational defensive end or outside linebacker, whatever he was supposed to be, pass, pass rusher behind Derek Morgan or Brian Arakto. Injury rattled and just couldn't perform well on the, uh, on the field. Then you go out and then the Titans go out and draft Harold Landry, who should have been a first-round prospect who falls all the way down to them in the second round, they grab him right there to basically take Kevin Dodd's spot. So if anything, Kevin Dodd should have looked at that and said, okay, I really need to have a standout performance in training camp because I could lose my job with this team or just an overall chance with in the NFL due to a lack of a consistency on the field and him just being injured and just not – I just don't think he's shown much passion to the game. So I feel like he's definitely blown his shot. Now, like you said, there's stuff, there could be stuff that we don't know. Maybe there's a good reason why they would not cut him, something that we don't know. And, yes, we would apologize for that. But as of now, from, where, from what it looks like, he, his tenure with Tennessee looks to be done, and I'm looking forward. I'm very, well, very much looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah. John Robinson asked about Kevin Dodd at a season ticket holder event earlier today. This I'm reading from paulkaharski.com, my buddy PK's website. 
Just subscribe to that if you don't. He didn't report yesterday. Yesterday was his report date. He's not here. So once it gets here, we'll have a nice little discussion with him and see where he is at and what his commitment level is to the football team. I talked about believing in people. We want people that believe in and are committed to what we're going to be about, and we'll see where that's at. I look at this and I say it's one of two things. Again, barring some information that we don't have. One, he doesn't really care that much about playing football and doesn't have any passion for it, which if so, GTFO. And then there's number two, which is he looks at the talent on this roster. He looks at his chances of starting. He looks at his chances of playing any kind of meaningful role with this team. And he doesn't think he's going to be able to make this team. So why exert himself physically? He might as well just get cut. And then we'll see what happens afterwards. I, I don't know that that's what it is. But if I had to predict between one of, the, of something that caused this, it would be one of those two things. Either way, there's just no reason anymore to keep him here. There's just, again, according to PK, this is how he wrote it. There are too many questions about the guy who failed to make the most of a fresh start by staying away for phase two of the voluntary offseason, which included 10 practices. He came back for mandatory minicamp and got hurt again. This is just somebody that you don't need. When you see Reserve did not report, and it's Kevin Dodd, and we know how this has gone so far for him in his career. He was the 33rd pick in the 2016 draft, and he needs to be the first cut from the 2018 camp. All right, I've been teasing that we're going to do this for about a week now, and we've gotten derailed with Jarrell Casey and all these other things, but this is going to become a recurring segment on the show, not daily, but at least weekly. How is this a thing? Can we please stop with the SB farce? Ratings were down significantly this year. As a matter of fact, the third round of the British Open mm, pretty much crushed the SB Awards. They did a 2.7, which was substantially down, and that's just Nashville. But nationally, it was down even worse. The British Open did a 4.2 in Nashville, 4.8 for the final round. That's what the Tiger bump means. But the SBs did a 2.7. These monologues are usually painful. Norm McDonald, though, you can YouTube that and watch the ESPY Awards. Uh, never. Just watch that every time the ESPYs are on. Just watch Norm McDonald. Now, I'm not talking about these Arthur Ashe Courage Awards or the Jimmy V stuff. Those segments are great. Those human interest pieces are really good. But the awards themselves. How is this a thing? Why is this a thing? In any other discipline, folks, movies give out the Academy Awards because there are no other honors, no other inherent honors given to actors for their performances except the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes or whatever the award shows are. The SAG Awards. Same with the Emmys, same with the Tonys, same with the Grammys. The only ranking before awards are given out is a box office number or a money number. But in sports, this is the one place, the one, where we don't need awards that exist simply to prop up a sports television network. Make no mistake, the ESPYs exist to push ESPN, and now ABC Disney, and that's it. If you had to write a bio of Drew Brees, just to throw an example out there, whoever, Russell Wilson, where do you think two-time ESPY award winner would fall in that list? And I made that up. I have no idea if they've ever won an ESPY. Would it even make the article at all? Would it require a Wikipedia lookup even to get a mention? I would say the answer is yes. Because, folks, 
I've said this many times, and I will repeat this probably every year on this show. Sports has these other awards that a lot of others don't. And that's why the ESPYs being a thing is so baffling. I'm not sure that you've heard of these strange things. We call them championships. I wrote a few down. They have these other things in addition to the championships themselves called the most valuable player, the rookie of the year, the comeback player of the year, the offensive player of the year, the defensive player of the year, the green jacket, the World Series, the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, the WBC title, best in show, the UFC championship, the triple crown, the Cy Young. All of these are awards for excellence. These are the actual league awards, and they all have their own league awards after the season. Just yesterday, there was something called a claret jug that was given out at Carnoustie. The SB for Best Male Athlete is on par with the Kids' Choice Awards. Except, as Chad Withrow said jokingly to me when I mentioned this to him on Friday, there is no slime. These are the single most bogus, unnecessary, ridiculous things given anywhere. They are completely and entirely meaningless. Athletes don't remember them, and I imagine they either give them to their agent or their dog as a chew toy, or they use them to you know, do something in a kitchen. Sports has so many awards already because sports is inherently a competition. It's not a performance, not only a performance at least. So I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, please explain this to me, the ESPY Awards, and thank goodness the ratings are going down. Maybe people are starting to realize how unnecessary these things are. How is this a thing? The ESPYs must go away. Finally. I got that off my chest. I'm glad that you let me do that. That was my decision tonight. Kevin Dodds, not so good, folks. Not so good at all. Also not good, Tim Tebow. Scheduled to have surgery tomorrow. He broke a bone in his hand swinging a bat. I predicted he was going to make the Mets roster by September to sell some tickets. He was playing pretty well in Binghamton. Likely done for the season. That's very, very sad. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Fast talk next.